You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. This is Giles Milton, host of the Unknown History Podcast, and you're listening to a special mini-series from historian Terry Galway on the unlikely alliance of New York politicians FDR and Al Smith. Hi, this is Terry Galway. You're listening to the fifth and final episode of Frank and Al. As Franklin Roosevelt embarked on his campaign for president in 1932, the only thing he had to fear was another Democrat, and that Democrat's name was Al Smith. It was a virtual given that the incumbent president, Republican Herbert Hoover, would be denied a second term. The country was mired in the Great Depression, and the Hoover White House seemed to be unable to cope with the catastrophe. Although only two Democrats had been elected since the Civil War, Woodrow Wilson and Grover Cleveland, it seemed certain that 1932 would be a Democratic year. Roosevelt launched his campaign in January. Then, in February, came a bolt from the political blue. His predecessor as governor of New York, Al Smith, announced that he would accept the party's nomination if it were offered to him. He wouldn't campaign for it, he said, but he wouldn't turn it down either. Smith had told friends, including several who worked for Roosevelt, that he would not be a candidate for president. His sons had lost a great deal of money in the stock market crash in 1929, and Smith's job as president of the Empire State Building paid well. So he couldn't afford to run for president, he said. And then he changed his mind, and the battle was on. Men and women who worked for both men, who considered both men friends, had to choose sides. The New York Democratic Party, the most important political organization in the country, was deeply divided. It was friend versus friend, and it proved to be the beginning of one of the epic feuds in 20th century American politics. Roosevelt entered the convention in Chicago with the most delegates, but not enough for the two-thirds majority required. Smith's forces were determined to block Roosevelt, and after three ballots, they seemed to be succeeding. But two men in FDR's camp who got their start in politics with Smith, James Farley and Edward Flynn, helped cut a deal with the Texas and California delegations who were backing House Speaker Jack Garner of the Lone Star State. Garner became Roosevelt's running mate, and Texas and California delivered the nomination to FDR, crushing Smith's dreams of another bid for the White House. Smith eventually campaigned for Roosevelt in the fall and was supportive of the New Deal at first, but the bitterness of his defeat at Roosevelt's hands, engineered in part by men who once worked for him, eventually exploded. He joined the Liberty League, founded by staunch opponents of the New Deal, and he delivered scathing attacks on Roosevelt, practically calling him a communist. He campaigned for Roosevelt's Republican opponent in 1936, Kansas Governor Alf Landon, who lost to FDR in a historic landslide. Smith's criticism puzzled Roosevelt. The president once said to his friend and labor secretary, Francis Perkins, that everything he had done in the New Deal had already been done by Smith in New York. Perkins didn't need to be reminded. She had worked for Smith in the 1920s and had helped launch innovative social programs under his administration. 
Smith continued to assail the New Deal through the 1930s. But as war broke out in Europe and Roosevelt tried to persuade Congress to support efforts to aid Britain when it stood alone, Smith defended Roosevelt in a series of speeches. The president ended their icy silence by sending a note of thanks. Smith campaigned against Roosevelt again in 1940, but once Roosevelt was re-elected, Smith continued to support his old friend's pro-allies policy. Smith compared the Nazis to the KKK that terrorized him and his supporters in the 1920s. Roosevelt was listening and watching. In the summer of 1941, Roosevelt sent a message to Smith through their mutual friend, Francis Perkins. If he were ever in town, Roosevelt told Smith, he should stop by the White House and say hello. The old friends turned rivals met for the first time in years that spring. Several more meetings followed in the next few months. Neither man ever revealed what they discussed, but surely they talked about the old times in Albany, about the bridges they built between the Democratic Party's rival factions, about the policies they embraced years earlier that were now implemented at a national level. Smith's wife, Katie, who had formed a bond with Eleanor Roosevelt decades earlier, died in the spring of 1944. Roosevelt sent a touching letter of condolence, and Smith replied with equal sincerity. But Smith himself was failing. He was in and out of the hospital in late summer. FDR and his aides kept tabs on Smith, even as the president sought to manage the final stages of World War II. Word was flashed to Roosevelt in Quebec, where he was meeting with Winston Churchill, that Smith was not well. A bouquet of roses from Franklin and Eleanor arrived at Smith's hospital room just before he died in October at the age of 70. In one of his final campaign stops in the fall of 1944, Roosevelt paid tribute to his old friend during a speech in Boston. He reminded his audience that he had spoken on Smith's behalf in their city during the 1928 presidential campaign when Smith was subjected to anti-Catholic bigotry around the country. But now, Roosevelt said, the nation was united in a common cause. And it's our duty, he said, to make sure that as big as this country is, there's no room in it for racial or religious intolerance, and there is no room for snobbery. Franklin Roosevelt and Al Smith were on the same side of that battle, and they fought it together during the tumultuous 1920s. Their unlikely alliance helped to reshape not only the Democratic Party, but the nation itself. All these years later, Franklin Roosevelt and Al Smith would recognize the issues and debates of the 21st century, and it seems safe to say that once again, they would be on the same side. If you like what you've heard, my book, Frank and Al, is available at bookstores everywhere. You've been listening to guest historian Terry Galway. I'm your host, Giles Milton. Tune in to the Unknown History podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or at quickanddirtytips.com. And stay tuned in November for the third season of Unknown History, in which I'll share gripping accounts from soldiers, sailors and airmen who fought in the first 24 hours of D-Day. Thanks for listening.